saying it's right. He's saying that other people with other customs will do it, and it's not your job to forbid them or tell them what they're supposed to do. And I think this is very important, because the Church of Jesus Christ, we are meant to be salt and light in the world, but we cannot expect people who do not believe in Jesus and are not following the Lord, who are not the Holy Spirit, we cannot expect them to hold to standards that God gives. I mean, let's be honest. Before we got saved, did we believe in those standards? No, we didn't expectations are tricky things they can do lots of damage especially if those expectations aren't met well today on jesus is real radio pastor daniel shares that you can't expect people who don't know the lord to follow his ways you'll be challenged to think about how to apply this truth to the relationships in your life god wants you to be salt and light in the world to stand out as you live differently in this broken and hurting place Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 14 with his continuing message called Family Life. So you can't eat shrimp and you can't have shellfish now. I still don't necessarily recommend eating Peter Rabbit, but you know, anyway. And have at your bacon, but in moderation because we don't want to clog our arteries and die. Can I say that? All the men from the guys are like, no, you gluttons. Should we move on? (laughs) Amen. Okay, so you get all your meats. I had a little fun with you guys there. Then, of course, you get all your fish, right? Anything with fins and scales, right? And then you get into all your birds. And you're allowed to eat all the clean birds with the exception of eagles, vultures, buzzards, falcons, kites, all these different kinds, and ravens ostriches, owls. I made the joke about seagulls. I mean, nobody ever sees a seagull and say, mmm, you know, right? Why? Because a seagull eat anything it finds, right? And so again, all of these are carrion animals where they eat dead carcasses, which could be transmitting diseases. And so there's the stipulation against it. And so you have all those things. Of course, you don't eat a stork because they're carrying babies to morning moms and dads. So, you know, (laughs) we're having a good night. All right. I need to go on vacation more often, you know. (laughs) Verse 21, you shall not eat anything that dies of itself. Now, this is interesting. So again, so there's the prohibition. Like if you find something that's dead, don't eat it. And the reason why is because it hasn't been drained of its blood and there's a possibility of foodborne illness. But then it says that you can give it to other people. (laughs) Now, this is actually kind of powerful if you start to think about it. I don't know what you guys are even laughing about. It's making me laugh. So the alien is a resident alien. So it's an expatriate, somebody who's living within your people perpetually, but who are not from it. And then there's the foreigner. There's just the visitor. Now, it says, even though I don't want you to eat it, you can give it to them. Now, you know why? Because these prescriptions are for the people of God, and God is not asking them to apply it to everybody else because it's unique for the people of God. Now, let me apply this to you. How often do we get mad at people who aren't believers for not acting like believers when you can't hold them to a standard that they don't know because they don't have the Holy Spirit living in them? 
See, like, the Lord isn't saying it's right. He's saying that other people with other customs will do it, and it's not your job to forbid them or tell them what they're supposed to do. And I think this is very important because the church of Jesus Christ, we are meant to be salt and light in the world, but we cannot expect people who do not believe in Jesus and are not following the Lord, who are not the Holy Spirit, we cannot expect them to hold to standards that God gives. I mean, let's be honest. Before we got saved, did we believe in those standards? No, we didn't. 90% of the things I believe today, I did not believe 20 years ago before I was a Christian. Why? Because when I got saved, all of a sudden I realized that everything that I thought was right was wrong, that it was destructive and it was hurtful and that God was way more wise than I was. But before that, I didn't know. And I'm not saying we shouldn't vote according to our beliefs. Uh, definitely, you know, register to vote and vote. But we can't expect godliness from people who don't want to follow Jesus. And what's interesting is in this allowance, even though you can't eat them, if they want to eat it, it's okay. They can have it. And I think that that's something we need to think through as the people of God. Because oftentimes, we are constantly trying to apply biblical standards to people who have rejected Jesus and rejected the Bible, and it's a fool's errand. And really, all it does is it pushes them farther away. Because now they're like, why are you judging me? Why are you doing, you know? And this thing is, it's like, for us as followers of Jesus, we can't expect godliness from people who have no shot at godliness, because the only reason you or I are godly is because of the presence of the Spirit of God in each one of us. As we always say, you know what the best thing about each one of us is? Jesus. That's the best thing about me. In Fusco, there's nothing good. The best thing about me is Jesus. And the best thing about you is Jesus. And you can't expect the best thing about someone to be Jesus when they haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus and the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in them. And I think this is a very fascinating thing because the Lord's like, look, you can't eat any of this, but they can. If they want it, they can have it. Why? If you tie this scripture and you tie it into Romans chapter one, what you find is that one of the ways God works on people's hearts is he'll allow them to go down the roads they want to go down so that they see how barren it is. And sometimes God's judgment is allowing someone to go all the way to where they go completely past feeling. Like the parable of the prodigal son, the father let him go and he gave him his portion of the inheritance. So go ahead. But why? That son had to go and find himself coveting pig's food, something that in his culture would be, like they don't even eat it, so they wouldn't raise them. It'd be abhorrent to them, you know? And then all of a sudden he was like, what am I doing? In my father's house, the servants eat better than this. And so this is something I think we each need to think through. How many people in our lives who don't know Jesus were holding them up to a standard that, like, you're setting them up for failure. They can never live up to the standard because they don't have the presence of Jesus in their hearts. Now, I'm not saying you don't say anything, but you realize that people are in different places on the journey. Right. You know, and even I think the categories of people, there's the children of God. They know who they are. There's the resident alien. It's one of the things I love about Crossroads. As a really large church, and there's many of you here right now, in some ways, like, you're hanging out with us, but you're really, you're like, I don't know if I'm a follower of Jesus or not. I mean, I'm just... I just come, I got some friends here, and, you know, I, you know, I'm not really sure where I'm at. And you know what? We love that you're here. We think it's super cool. Like, you're living amongst us, but you're really not of us yet, and that's totally cool. We want that. We want you to feel that you can be here and, and be in process. And there's some people who are just foreigners. They just kind of pop in, like, I don't know why I'm here, you know, like, 
I'm, you know, I'm doing a research study on what church is like, so I'm going to go to Crossroads or something and, like, see how people live who love Jesus or something, you know? And it's, like, powerful. Okay, anyway, keep moving. It says in verse 21, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. That's a weird one. And if you know kosher laws, if you have kosher meat, you can't have a cheeseburger. That's the way they interpret it. You can't, you can't roast a young goat in its mother's milk. Now, there's a principle here that I think is so fascinating. And I think that the idea of you can't have a cheeseburger because of this, I don't think that it misses the point. But the idea is, think about a young goat in a mother's milk. God does not want to take the life of something, that which nourishes it. I mean, think about it. Uh, mother's milk is the primary nourishment of a young person or an animal. And then to see them killed by what nourishes them, it mixes up the whole thing. Now, in some ways, this is one of those symbolic things, I believe, where it's like God does not want death to come through that which nourishes them. And if you apply it, obviously I'd have to apply it to abortion today. Because really what you have is a life in the womb of a mother is designed to nourish that child. And for that mother in the name of keep your laws off my body, to terminate that life completely violates the principles that God has. It completely violates it. What is meant to give life brings death. And it's something, I mean, I'm sure some of you have seen that picture online when they do the graph of the number of American deaths over the last century, and abortion takes up like 97% of the graph. And then there's like World War I and World War II and, you know, gun violence and drugs. You know, it's like, no, it's like, it's like 60 million lives since Roe v. Wade. Now, listen, I realize it's a politicized issue. But as Christians, we should love life. And as Christians, we should not only love life in utero, we should also love life when someone's alive as well. That's why in some ways the Christian polarization of we're against abortion but we're kind of pro-war is kind of a messed up kind of spot, isn't it? We should value life in utero and long life possible. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I get just war. I understand it. But like you guys know if you've been here a while that I bring up these things to kind of make us think about them. I say, hey, we have to look at that because if God loves life, why should we champion life before it's born and then not really care so much? after somebody's around. Pastor Daniel, pastor of young adults, on the 4th of July, he had one of those moments where he was listening to all the fireworks going off and he was reminded that there's people all over the world right now that that's the way they live every single day. But it's not fireworks and sparklers. with It's bombs that are dropping. And that's their life. You know, and we have to think about those things because those are just like, I think about like my little kids you know, and I try and think, what would it be like if we were born into a culture that's in perpetual war where there's bombs falling out of the sky from airplanes? I mean, I was up half the night, but I wasn't expecting anything to go on at my house. It was just noisy. But then you start thinking about what it would be like for somebody who every single day, that's their world. That's like why we did that whole Ukraine project. We sent tons of supplies into the Ukraine why we have a passion for the Middle East, perpetually war-torn. 
But we have to think about these things because if God loves life, then we realize that God loves life and we want to be unique in loving life uniquely the way God does. And God does not want the things that are meant to nourish us to be the things that take our lives. Powerful, right? And it's interesting that also comes on the heels of a discussion of diet because, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but how the food industry and the way the food industry is killing us quickly. Yeah, it's like, listen, every time you eat something, if you look on the label and you can't pronounce it, you don't know, it's like a chemistry experiment, like my favorite Twinkies. It's not good for you. It's like your body was not meant to eat that stuff. It's one thing to have it once in a while, but to live a lifestyle of eating that stuff. Terrible for you. All the research tells the same thing. Interesting. Food's meant to keep us alive, not to kill us. Some things to think about, eh? So let's be unique in our eating. And don't forget the fact that because of the finished work of Jesus, all things are lawful. But not all things edify. One of the beauties of being free in Christ is the freedom to choose not to do certain things because you want to try and be a good steward of our lives. Amen? Amen. Now, the last section here, picking up in verse 22, we have principles of generosity. Look what it says. You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall, verse 23, eat before the Lord in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of the herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. But if the journey is too long for you so that you are not able, verse 24, to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you when the Lord your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money, take the money in your hand, and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses, and you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. You shall not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part nor inheritance with you. Verse 28, at the end of every third year, you shall bring out the tithe of your produce of that year and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, verse 29, because he has no portion nor inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come and eat and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. Now, I call this generosity because this whole section and lots of sections in the Bible reminds us that everything we have comes from God. And because everything that we have comes from God, God has a rightful stake in what the Bible calls the first fruits, the beginning of it, not the last fruits, or if everything else goes on, God deserves the first fruits because the principle is nothing that we have is our own. Everything we have, we've been given, right? And so, of course, in the New Testament, the, the tithe never gets promoted. Instead, we get the cheerful giver that's promoted, the grace-based giving that comes because we realize that Jesus is real and God has provided. Now, the biggest struggle we have in 21st century America, of course, is that we're all greedy. And because of our banking system and our lack of stewardship of our own finances, many people are saddled with debt for buying things they couldn't afford. And always saying, well, I can afford, I'll be able to afford it later. And you, get, you struggle with debt. And then what you end up having is now you're in debt 
And there's absolutely no generosity because everything about our culture is meant to market you to buy things that you really don't need to keep you from investing in the things that the world really needs. And my simple encouragement to you is don't be a legalist about giving, be a cheerful giver. But I'm here to tell you, God's cheerful giving, because the tithe is the tenth, right? So God says, look, I get the first tenth, that's the tithe, and then I get an offering, some amount above that, and you get the rest, right? But I don't tell people to give a tithe. I say be a cheerful giver. And what I found is that when you realize that 100% of your resources are the Lord, you can say, Lord, what do you want to do? And I've never met somebody who understands grace who actually gives less than a tithe in the name of grace. I've never once met somebody who understands God's grace. who's like, well, you know, the, the law says the tithe, and so I'm not under the law, so, you know, I'm going to, you know, every time someone has a hobby horse over tithing, I always say, well, so how much do you give? And, they, and especially when they're real specific, well, I don't give anything. It's like, well, how does that have to do with grace? For God so loved the world that he gave. And he didn't just give, like, God didn't say, well, listen, I'm looking for, like, my, my, my son that I really can't wait to get rid of. He gave his only begotten son. He wasn't like, look, I'm sending Lucifer because he rebelled against me, took third of the angels. I can't wait to off that guy. You know what I mean? He took his only begotten son, the apple of his eye, his only son. He's like, I'm going to give my best. And that's why all through in generosity, it's always like, give your best. Give your best to the Lord. Don't give him your, it's like, it's funny. Like I was talking to a pastor and he's like, so hey, I was thinking about doing like a church-wide garage sale. What should I do? I'm like, don't do it. Like, the stuff that belongs in the dump, they're going to give to you because they don't want to take it to the dump. And he's like, no. I'm like, listen, man, it's sad. He's like, well, I'm going to do it. You know, he did it. No, he got so much junk. That, he's like, dude, you were totally right. I'm like, I know. I did it before. <laughs> like, I learned from experience, man. Like, you do a church-wide garage, all the stuff that you're supposed to bring to the dump and pay your 20 bucks to get rid of, they bring it to the church. We're giving it to Jesus. It's like the reason it's been sitting in your garage for like 70 years is because Jesus doesn't want it either, you know? But we have that mentality. Like, we're going to give Jesus the leftovers. Like, you know, we think about giving of our finances. We're like, man, I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to pay the rent. I'm going to pay the food. And then I'm going to pay my cell phone bill because I really need 27,000 gigs in an instant time because that's really essential to life. And I'm going to pay for 187 channels on the thing. And of course, I have all these subscriptions, all these things, and I never read any of the magazines anyway, but some cute little kid came to my house to sell me magazines. And now I've been buying that thing for 20 years, but I have no money to give to the work of God's kingdom. So the one thing that's eternal is the work of God's kingdom and everything else stays here. And we're giving all of our best to that and nothing to the furtherance of the gospel and all the social implications of what comes with it. See, the beauty of the finished work of Jesus is that when a community comes to know Jesus, then all the social implications of the gospel, like people start helping one another out. Like people start saying, oh, someone's in need. I'm going to come alongside of them. And one of the things I love about the Crossroads family is this goes on around our community every single day. And a lot of it, it's not like they just come to us as pastors. People just take care of each other. Something goes on and people take care of each other. And you know why they do that? Because they're generous. Why? Because God is generous. And they're not stingy. And you go in the world, you have a problem, no one help you. But all of a sudden you're part of a church and people who know you, if they know you, they'll try and help you as long as you're not being one of those people who doesn't actually help anybody else. Because of course you get, when you have a generous church, you always have those people who are like, well, the Bible says that you're supposed to help me. It's like, well, no, you, you need to go get a job. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So you hungry? Yeah, go work. 
You know what I mean? And it's like, and I love that about the Bible because the Bible knows that there's going to be people who want to take advantage of the generosity of the people of God. And it doesn't honor God for us to enable people to rebel against God. We talked about how the blessing of work, that God blessed humanity with work. So it's a good thing when we work. But we realize sometimes people fall on hard times. And the people of God are amazing that way. They come alongside. They, they come alongside and they help. And many of us have those testimonies. We're in a hard situation. The people of God come alongside of you. And they grab your arm. And they're like, look, we got you. You're going to be fine. I hear stories about this in the Crossroads family every day. It gets me so excited. Because that's the way the Lord is. But you got to ask yourself, my friends, are you generous? Like, are you generous in a biblical way? Are you the kind of person who is known for their generosity? Are you saying, Lord, I'm going to give unto you in the work of the kingdom the first fruits? And use the tenth as a standard. Lord, and I'm not doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I get to. Because, Lord, the message of Jesus changes the world. And it changes people's lives. And I love this because he's saying, look, you have to give your tithe, right? And then he says, listen, and you go there and you're going to eat it before the Lord your God. I love that. Because, like, look, you're going to bring it in and it's a party. Because we're family. And we're doing this together. And he said, listen, now, if you live too far away and you can't bring all this stuff, then I want you to sell all this stuff that you would have given, and you get money, and then you go to the house. Because you remember, someone, when God placed his name, he placed it in Jerusalem at the temple. And there are people who lived way away, and you couldn't bring all those tithes. So they could sell their stuff, take the money, go there, and then buy new stuff. You could buy whatever you want. See, if you want to buy sheep, whatever you want to give to the Lord, you can give it to the Lord, and then you can offer it there. And I think this is super beautiful, but in the midst of all of these things about this generosity, giving whatever is on your heart, he reminds them, listen, don't forsake the Levites. Don't forsake the people who are serving the things of the temple. Don't forsake them at all. Make sure you take care of the people who are helping in this whole thing. And then also in the third year, make sure you bring your produce. Why? Because you also have to help out the widows and the orphans and the poor who are within your gates. And one of the things that I love, one of the things that I love about the people of God is that God always has a preference for helping the people who can't help themselves. Like in that culture, a widow couldn't work. It wasn't like today where a woman whose husband died could go out and get a job, right? It was a staunchly patriarchal society. So widows were completely reliant upon the kindness of other people, orphans in the same way. They had no means of provision for themselves and the poor that are among you. And so God wants us to have a preference for helping the people who are the most vulnerable. It's about, it's about God using his people as his body to undergird the people who are the most vulnerable. And I realize that the people who are the most vulnerable are often the hardest to help because of their vulnerability, but we do it anyway. Why? Because us, in our vulnerability, God met. Jesus is What does generosity look like for God's children? Pastor Daniel addressed this topic in today's teaching. You learn that God does want his people to be cheerfully generous, not expecting anything in return. He challenged you to use the guideline of the 10% tithe as a jumping off point in your giving back to the Lord. Pastor Daniel also shared that God specifically talked about taking care of the local church and the people in need. 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will continue his look at the theme of generosity in Deuteronomy 15. You'll learn that God places a strong emphasis on community. While this culture is continually telling you that you should be your own first priority, God asks you to love others just like you love yourself. This is a radical shift in thinking for all of us. But God wants to help you make these changes in your life. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Blueprint. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.